Hey everyone, welcome to the Smart Economy Podcast, a production of neonewstoday.com. I'm your host, Dylan Grabowski. This episode of the Smart Economy Podcast is part of the inaugural series focusing on decentralized autonomous organizations, better known as DAOs. In episode two of the DAO series, I chat with Claude Mueller and Gil Machado, senior software engineers at Axlabs. Axlabs is responsible for maintaining Neo3j, a Java-based development toolkit for building dApps and smart contracts in the Neo ecosystem. The Axlabs team also built the GrantShares DAO infrastructure and is currently maintaining the code base. GrantShares is a DAO comprised of Neo's developer communities that manage a treasury funded by the Neo Foundation, and it is designed to distribute funding to grassroots developers and projects that benefit the ecosystem. In this conversation, Gil, Claude, and I discuss their open source code philosophy, the thought processes that went into the development of the GrantShares DAO, how interested individuals can propose projects for DAO funding, the project proposal lifecycle, and much more. Just a reminder, nothing said on this podcast is a solicitation to buy or sell any tokens, that nothing should be taken as financial advice, and that the host or guests may hold tokens discussed in any given episode. With that said, I really enjoyed chatting with Gil and Claude, and I hope you enjoy the conversation too. Awesome. Well, today we are joined by two members from Axe Labs. We have Claude and Gil on the line. How are you guys doing today? Uh, doing good. Yeah, great. Great stuff. Really excited to have you guys on. This is going to be an episode that's part of the recently rebranded uh, Smart Economy podcast. And we were just talking about the recording, about how the new podcast is really going to focus on series and leveraging different voices from multiple different blockchain ecosystems. So while you aren't the first interview for this series, you guys are the first uh, Neo ecosystem folks for the Smart Economy podcast to talk about DAOs. So before we kind of launch into your experience with DAOs and grant shares and everything you guys hope to achieve, let's just rewind for a quick second. And for somebody who has never listened to the Neo News Today podcast or now the Smart Economy podcast and has never read any of our articles about you guys, could you just tell new listeners a quick background about who you are and what Axe Labs is? And we'll start with you first, Gil, and then we'll ask Claude. Yeah, sure. So um, Xlabs uh, is a small company. We are like three guys and our primarily, uh, primary focus is in the blockchain decentralized solutions. We are a bunch of uh, guys which have passion about open source and um, you know, doing things and building things which are open to the public and that people will use and have fun. Of course, that's uh, the most important thing when, when building things, yeah? Yeah, I've noticed uh, you guys really rely heavily on the Bongo Cat, which is uh, which is always fun to take a look at. So, Claude, you're not by any means new to the Neo ecosystem. You've been here for a handful of years, and you've been with Axe Labs the whole time. But I've never like quite got the origin story. So, how did you learn about Neo, and how did you get hooked up with Axe Labs? And uh, over the years, what has your role kind of grown into? Yeah, so I've been uh, with Neo and with Axe Labs for for almost three years or a bit more than three years already. And um, Gil and I, we met uh, at a university when I was still studying. She was already getting into NEO. And I, I just heard about NEO and other blockchains, of course. I mean, not, not NEO first. I mean, other blockchains first, probably, you know, like a blo- a Bitcoin and Ethereum and what have you. And uh, through Gil, I got to know NEO. And yeah, he needed, he needed people to help him uh, to develop tools on NEO. Because I mean, he's the idealist. He's uh, he's always uh, always uh, has a vision on on how things should be, and um, and really has that idealism that is that, that you need probably in the blockchain world to sustain. And so yeah, that that pulled me in, and so I've been been helping out for for the last three years, building developer tools with him, and um, also with with Michael, who's a, who's our third uh, colleague, and. In the beginning, I was just focusing on the R3J, uh, which is the the, the the Bongo Cat that you mentioned, which is our logo for that library or for that SDK. And while developing that library, 
and now my my role went more into like shifted a bit. I'm still um, maintaining the library, but that work is mostly taken over by Michael now, and I'm focusing more on on products actually building on the Neo blockchain, which, uh, for example, yeah, Grand Shares, which we'll be talking about, of course. And uh, I'm, I'm happy that I have more organizational uh, tasks as well now. So it's not only detailed programming. It's also, it's, it's a bit more versatile now. Yeah, very cool. Um, I noticed in recent communications that Axe Labs has put out that the Grand Shares DAO was built off of the, the kind of suite of tools and SDKs and libraries you guys have already built over the past few years. So could you maybe just share a little bit Gil, about um, kind of the composability or the Lego blocks of the work that you've done and how that allowed you to build grant shares, which we'll go into in a moment. Yeah, thanks, Claude, for calling me an idealist. I, we, I think you, um, I, I try to, to be a bit of both, like idealist and like a, a guy which is very pragmatic in, in building things. So uh, yeah, it seems that I accomplished. So, so in the beginning... We we just build uh, Neo3j. We were in this in this space of uh, building the uh, software for Java and Kotlin developers in the new space. And then we said, okay, we have to build an SDK, and SDK is uh, something that you 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 can code backends, for example, to interact with with the new blockchain. But and then after after like uh, shipping this um, still in, in the new legacy in the previous version of the new blockchain, we realized, okay, we can do a bit more. Uh, why we don't do a compiler, uh, which is basically a software where you can write smart contracts and then writing smart contracts, compiling them, uh, being written in, in, in Java and then uh, deploying in the new blockchain. So we, we say, okay, let's do it. And then that's that's uh, when we said we basically focus on the a Java compiler uh, for the new N3 blockchain, which is the new version of um, of, of of new the evolution of new. Okay, so then we were pretty happy with the results. Uh, the community just uh, we got att- attention from the community. People started using it from the first hackathon uh, last year, and then we start talking within our community on like maybe doing a, another project that we could uh, use Neo3j, uh, the SDK and a compiler and all our knowledge uh, of Neo uh, to build um, something with it. So adapt. And, and then that's, uh, that's basically, uh, our goal is, is to, to eat our own dog food. So in the end, in the end like me and Claude say, man, we should be pretty excited doing this because we started like really low level from really doing a compiler, an SDK, and then going to the application layer and then using all our libraries, all the stuff that we built to do something meaningful uh, for the end users out there. Yeah, that's really cool. It's like um, you built all all these tools and then you decided it's time to put the work that you'd put into the test. And uh, what a hefty test that your previous experience was put towards because when the idea for grant shares was floated, your team was voluntold or the task was landed on onto your plate. So I guess just a, a, a brief preview before we go into details, Grant Shares is a DAO that will be distributing funding uh, that is initially seeded by the NEO Foundation for grassroots developers to apply to. And a series of individuals from the NEO community will vote on these uh, proposals and for anyone who's been in the NEO ecosystem for a handful of years, you'll recognize these communities that will vote on the proposals like COZ, NEO News Today, Axe Labs, NEO Foundation, NGD Enterprise, Next, uh, Red for Sec, NEO SPCC. Sorry if I'm forgetting any other communities, but I'm just trying to highlight that these are individuals that people from the community might know. Now, before we go into more specifics about grant shares, this is a series on DAOs, and I want the listener to walk away after listening to these episodes on this series, uh, having a good understanding of what DAOs are. And DAOs are kind of like art. You can't uh, define it, but you can say what it is when you see it. So I kind of want to pull your guys' ears because you've done a lot of research in this realm after you were tasked with building grant shares last summer. So 
I don't know which one of you want to start first, but basically, can you just tell me what your definition of a DAO is? So DAO, what is DAO? Like, what is acronym of DAO? Is decentralized autonomous organization? And then, like in my in my in my perception, in my definition, uh, using my own words, a DAO it's it's basically an entity which is uh, have a purpose and should have some governance attached to it. Uh, of course, should have this. The purpose maybe should attach to incentives, uh, like um, either financial or non-financial. Uh, so, and then and then this entity will be uh, how can I say organized uh, in a decentralized way uh, through this governance and through these incentives and the purpose. Uh, so, this whole phenomena just started in in the in like deploying smart contract uh, where you could uh, create proposals in in the smart contract. And then the proposal can be executed and enforced in the smart contract. So um, this is like a, a kind of very a summary of what is DAO and what, what, what it composes DAO. But of course, you can extrapolate on this and then uh, go to the real world and how DAOs are organized. And maybe, I mean, maybe you're going to bring some other uh, uh, folks here in, in this DAO series to, to talk about, about that in more detail. And But... That's what I have, like the definition that I have in mind. I don't know if you want to complement, Claude. Yeah, I would pick up where we left off with uh, with the word purpose, where I think that that DAOs are an organization that that form around a purpose of a community. Um, so, so it's about collaboration, and this is the, like the, the broadest definition that you can give. Like any every organization probably forms around um, some purpose where collaboration is needed to to get there. And uh, so, yeah, that I I would stick to that definition where where a DAO is is, is an organization for collaboration um, for for people or for coordinating these people to reach uh, a common goal. And usually, like in let's say in the old world, this often requires um, a lot of trust into each other. You know, either you're a community that lives at this, in the same location, and and so you know everybody, and and that's why you trust each other. Or you have some middlemen that help you so that you don't actually need trust between yourself and other people of your organization that you don't that you maybe don't see regularly or you never actually get to know, but you still kind of try to work uh, together to a common goal. And um, with the DAO, you can. I think the advantage of the DAO would be then that you can that you can remove this necessary trust for. I mean, not for not with every um, community that has like certain goals there. You just kind of need a lot of work a lot of interaction with other people where you cannot rely totally on on code and automation but uh, I think DAOs can can add a lot to to helping organizations getting uh, like improving their collaboration yeah I think something that's really interesting is the concept of DAOs aren't necessarily new it's just the technology like uh, if you look at America's foundings, you know people were escaping religious persecution, and they organized as a group and decided to move to a new country. So you've had these ideas of communities forming based off of idealism and acting on that idealism for centuries now, maybe even all of humanity. If, if like you start talking about hunting and gathering and why people would collect because they needed to get food to survive. So really, in my perspective, what the unique thing that DAOs are bringing is it's just now this technology layer where you can disintermediate or remove the centralized figure. So I'm wondering if in your research, what are some examples of DAOs that you guys came across? Because there's so many types out there. This isn't just a one size solution fits all. So could you just share a little bit more about that? Yeah, like... um so just before going to the examples, I think that's, um, I don't know if, I, if I've said that before, but this is an unpopular opinion that I have, which is um, basically we already live in our society, in democratic societies, in a DAO, but without the ledger, the technology powering it. So it's, um, this, is, this, this is really interesting and it goes um, along the lines of what you said, what you said, Dylan. But I mean, go, going to examples, yeah, there are, Quite a few. So, uh, for example, Gitcoin DAO is um, is, a, is a good example. But uh, there are others which are which started this uh, this whole phenomena of DAO. And nowadays, you don't talk about them so much. For example, it's Maker DAO. So, I think, like I said the other day, that I, I like to 
to listen to to guys um, when they're speakers in conferences uh, from these DAOs, which are a bit older, because they have like real problems to deal with uh, in the real world. So um, a typical example will be, uh, okay, so you have a DAO, you form a DAO, you have like all the members, but um, in, in they have a smart contract, you have their treasury and uh, voting proposal, enforcing the proposal, et cetera. But besides the DAO, you have to interface with the real world. And, um, and then you, you need to have a domain name and who could be the owner of that domain name? And uh, well, I mean, what's the, um, how, how you solve that? Uh, you're gonna centralize one person. So, so, so well, I'm, I'm going a bit uh, out, of, uh, out of the topic here, but examples are like MakerDAO, Gitcoin DAO, rent shares, of course, but we're gonna talk later about it. Can you help me, Claude? Well, I, w- I would go into more abstract uh, direction instead of um, naming like examples, like uh, concrete examples. Um, I'd start with, what kinds of DAOs we have, uh, where, where I see that the most common kind of DAO is, is one that is used for funding things. So, I mean, the, the MakerDAO was also one of those. And one, one um, prominent one is the, the Moloch DAO. You probably know that one. That was also made for, it's, it's kind of for investing into, into projects in the crypto space. Uh, so many, many DAOs or probably many early DAOs were, were only focusing on that, where it was about how, how can you um, collect money in an organization and then distribute it according to the, to the organization's wishes, basically. That's, that's pretty, you know, it's still easy cases where, where you only have to decide where money is going and you can put money into the DAO and you can take money out of it. And, uh, and you, you decide via proposals where that money should go. Um, but then if you, if you want to mimic a whole organization, like an organization like NGD or Google even, which is probably a bit too big to start with now, but still like a normal company, then you need total new mechanisms that are not, that are not part of these funding DAOs that we have seen so far. And um, like, it's a pity I, don't, I don't, haven't looked into more complex DAOs yet. Like I guess Shapeshift, for example, is is one of those. And there you need much more, like you need to somehow define rules for for all the interactions that the people of the DAO can have. So all this collaboration that can happen inside of the organizations, organization needs to needs to be written down into rules. And well, we don't know if that's possible for for all the interactions, and uh, if it's even necessary. Maybe you also needs a kind of or a type of person to to work in this in these DAOs so that the DAO actually works seamlessly. Or you just need to shift like culture a bit such that people get adapted to this new concept where everybody's pretty much self-managing or groups are self-managing themselves, even though they're part of a bigger organization, but they don't have to be managed by one overseer of the organization as it is in in, in older companies and old structures. Yeah, the the reason I ask is because uh, you guys have done a lot more research. Um, you know, despite the fact that I've been writing about Neo for four years and been in the blockchain space, like I still feel as if I know very little about DAOs. From my angle and my perspective, they seem to be mostly treasury focused. So you know, a lot of people contribute um, a cryptocurrency, and then the amount of cryptocurrency they contributed to the DAO determines what their stake for a vote is. And so with some DAOs, you are funding open source developers who are making proposals for funds, similar to what Grant shares and what Moloch DAO does. But then you have MakerDAO, which is uh, one of the OGs, one of the first ones that's been around. And they're focusing on, on managing their treasury because there's uh, a stable coin that's associated with that project. But then you also have, uh, and this really happened last year, the, the new emergence of kind of idealism focused DAOs. And I'm talking about like Constitution DAO, which was a group of people who put together a bunch of funding to buy one of the only privately held physical copies of the US Constitution. They ended up losing to some rich millionaire uh, centralized entity. But it really highlighted that a group of people can come together behind an idealistic vision, which was also something that uh, I found interesting in what you were saying, Gil, because to put together a team for a live auction, you need to have legal experts, you need to have people on the ground, you need to have individuals who know how to operate inside these traditional realms. 
So you have this this weird like marriage of figuring out how to incorporate these decentralized anons who are voting with their cryptocurrencies, but then also deciding who to put your trust into to carry out the vision of the DAO. So it's kind of interesting that, and this is only a year old, you know, Constitution DAO, Pleaser DAO is another one that uh, purchases artwork based on a philosophy, on an idealism. So I don't think there's a real answer yet for like, what are the different types of DAOs out there? But, you know, you guys were tasked with building the Grant Shares DAO. So before we go into Grant Shares, and other than just funding developers, what are some opportunities that DAOs can bring to this world? I mean, you, as I said, like you have many, many, many types um, of DAOs. Um, one, one example that X Labs were was recently involved by working in, in doing some coding and organizing things uh, for it is uh, one off one DAO, so one one dot fun and one one dot works. So basically, it's an NFT DAO. It's a smart contract where there are many members in this in this DAO, and then we decide which NFTs we will buy, uh, we acquire, uh, which ones are going to sell it, put it in, in, into into sale. And uh, the the structure of this DAO, for example, is that you hire uh, specialized people um, on 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 going and evaluating NFTs, uh, checking if and basically working for the DAO. And then, and then, of course, they should be rewarded and all stuff. I mean, one one is is is, is being developed. Um, is X Labs not the primarily um, driver of this? Of course, um, is a dialectic. But um, we were there, like in, in part in 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 the beginning, and uh, I think it's a it's a good example of uh, things that goes outside of um, just uh, grants or in yeah deciding how the treasury should look like, etc. I mean, there are other things like ENS. ENS is also a good example of a DAO, which goes a bit um, away because then you can you can have, have proposals and you can delegate your your vote uh, to to other people from the ENS, the Ethereum name service um, committee, to decide on I don't know configurations of ENS, adding maybe a second level domains um, and, and these kind of things. I'm not so so much into, but I I have a, a bunch of ENS uh, tokens, of course, and then I, I once in a while I, I check uh, how what the guys are doing there. But then then there there's a, like a, another example, which is basically a radical radical, um, which is a very interesting project. I don't know so much about them. I have also I'm personally I'm a bit exposed on on radical, but um, uh, radical is building communities or like DAOs which you can form open source projects that the development is transparent, the code is transparent, but also the projects uh, should be transparent in a, in a DAO and centralized. So, so there you can create sub DAOs, um, I think representing, if I'm not mistaken, uh, representing like a, a open source projects. And then people can, can work in this open source project, et cetera. I mean, I'm not so into it. I'm just talking here by what I've got in this in the conference from the past and all that stuff, but I remember that Claude was in in, in the same conference and uh, I think it was ECC in the past. And uh, I mean, both of us were were really impressed with uh, with Radical and and the DAO that what they built. Yeah, I mean, everything is so nascent. So even just um, the folks you've talked to or or the white papers you've read or anything like that is super helpful because. You're now the de facto experts for DAOs in the NEO ecosystem. So Axe Labs built the infrastructure for grant shares. Before we kind of get into like the details for the code and, and the architecture and all that, I guess maybe you can tell our audience a little bit about, in your words, what grant shares is and when did you guys start working on on the architecture, and this can even go dating back to the first bit of research you started. Yeah, so GrantShares is following in the in the footsteps of the already existing NEO eco support programs, where where NEO has funds set up to spend grants on on projects or on teams, on research, and so on. But there, it's it's 
pretty centralized in the sense that the the near foundation has a say on where these these funds go right and it, it's a bit intransparent i would say for for us for the long term community members who don't see the proposals that have that are um sent to to these grant programs and so the idea with grant shares is to have a more transparent and a more decentralized um grants program so grant shares is basically a grants program as it is in the name obviously and and well of course it makes sense then to uh, to use our tools and to use the neo blockchain to build this on the blockchain and to build it as a as a decentralized organization and when did you guys start working on grant shares cuz these types of things don't happen overnight so could you just it's like an iceberg. You know, we only see the tip of the iceberg, but there was a lot of work that went into this. So could you just share a little bit about when you started researching for the architecture and kind of like what the process was like getting to here? Yeah. So well, Gil, correct me if I'm wrong. I, I think we started in, in October or was it even earlier? Yeah, it was like October. And um, yeah, we started with the architecture there and there we, we had a lot of discussions going on and we already tried to involve as many community members as possible, especially from the, the long-term community members like COZ and NNT and these, these parties. And then we already realized how, <laughs> how things probably take a bit longer. Yeah, if you try to do it decentralized from the beginning and try to have uh, many opinions on it. And then at some point, it, like it kind of became clear to us that you cannot discuss it forever you just you know at some point you don't know in theory how it's going to work out if the incentives are correctly if uh, if we need more security and other features of the DAO and then so you just decided to go ahead and implement and then try it out and um, and that's where we're at I mean uh, since then we've been designing and and at, towards the end of the year we started implementing and yeah maybe Gilly have something to say about this yeah that's exactly I, I was going to to interrupt but um i could hold myself uh, for for telling more about this yeah th that's exactly how it happened because this this pragmatic approach that we took um is i think what is one of the success factors uh that we expect to have uh because we we have to start that's the important thing we have to start and then like when i was uh, discussing in the endless discussions with claude uh, about um i mean who, who should who who will be the members of this DAO? Like, should we uh, should we have like the community as, um, as as members? Should we have a token to represent the decision power and then like voting based on tokens? How we should do it? And then like we just uh, let's take um, a rather more conservative approach in like in the beginning to because this is an experiment, guys. Like, um, is is not doesn't mean that just because you have like thousands of DAOs uh, out there that your DAO will you're going to make it right and everything will be beautiful and people are going to use it. So um, let's, we decided let's go step by step, more conservative, having a set of community members, which uh, already know the new ecosystem uh, to be, to, to make the decision power of this DAO. And then uh, maybe in future, we're going to, maybe we're going to talk about this, but maybe in future, we're going to add other trenches of decision power uh, to, to, to go uh, with it and having a token maybe or whatever. So, yeah, th that's basically how, how it evolved over time. But just to, to complete my line of thought, or my line of thinking is, is brand shares basically is also to give more agility. I know that having a DAO doesn't always mean to have agility in, in the ecosystem because you have like the polls or you have the voting period and it, it takes weeks. But getting, getting all these people and, and say, go there to the, our website, make a proposal. And uh, let's do it. So historically, if like a grassroots level developer wanted to apply for funding in the NEO ecosystem, they would have to go to NEO Foundation. And there are issues associated with applying for funding from a centralized entity. You're mostly on their timeline. And you hinted and alluded to this, Claude, that there's a lack of transparency simply because it's the decision-making is being made behind a walled garden. So what are some of the constraints that DAOs will have if somebody's applying for funding? You know, like there's always a trade-off, you know, for everything good, there's always something bad that comes. And so what's good with this is that the community can choose to support grassroots developers, which is a positive. But if we want to be realistic, what are some like perceived constraints that you guys envision 
will uh, be attached with grant shares um, as people apply for funding. Could just implement um, protective uh, mechanisms that, that hold that ward off people from, from flooding the system. Do you envision that there are any sort of issues with like puppet accounts being created or civil attacks? Is this something that you're concerned about or you've seen in other DAOs? Obviously, it, it is a concern, but um, there is no there's no gain for the for the proposer in that. You know, it uh, it, it will cost something. I mean, you still have to, to pay gas fees, so it's not for free. And we have, I like we have. We can we can quickly implement small mechanisms that that uh, can ward off um, the the easiest attacks if we want to, and so that's one point where we decided we'll just go and see how it works out. How tough is the world actually, and then and we'll see on lunch how how that is. Yeah, just uh, just correct me, uh, Claude, or just uh, complement my answer that. I think that the endorse mechanism that we built around uh, grant shares uh, is one one of the mechanisms to to filter or to prevent civil attacks in a larger scale because because the, the situation is nowadays. Let me explain to the audience that uh, grant shares we, we decided to go like from a very to a non complex kind of DAO and then evolve over time. So what what do I mean with that? We have now a set of members that uh, these members will uh, take part on voting uh, in deciding if uh, a proposal should pass or not. This proposal can be of any kind. It's not only a proposal to uh, a request for funding, but it can be a proposal for uh, add a new member to the DAO or to remove a new uh, a member to, of the, from the DAO or to uh, whitelist a token in the treasury or to release you know, some money from the treasury to somewhere else. So the, the proposals are kind of like generic. And then, and then this, this one of the, is, is kind of like this initial set of uh, members will have the power to, 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 to vote and do it. But another function of these members is to endorse uh, when a proposal just comes on, on the table and, and comes to, to, to the DAO, uh, at least one member should endorse it. Otherwise, the proposal will not go, uh, go on on this life cycle. Uh, so the voting will not going to happen um, if, if, if the proposal was, was not, is not endorsed by Xlabs or CLZ or NNT. So this is one of, one of mechanisms that we can block in future you know, civil attacks and this kind of thing. Yeah, it's really interesting. The more we get into these kind of new models that blockchain is empowering, uh, the more I realize that we go back to this this term that others have coined layer zero, which is the social element of the people that are participating in these networks. And um, I think sometimes it can be easy to uh, forget about this because we get so excited about the tech and the code but ultimately, we're just creating tools for people to communicate, collaborate, and create and make decisions together. So that's really interesting that you guys kind of thought about this and it, the uh, ability for a voting member to kind of approve a proposal before it gets voted on is interesting because it relies on A, somebody caring enough to read through the proposal and then saying, hey, you guys should vote on this. But secondly, it also acts as like a level of vetting the project so that if you do have all these civil attacks of just nonsense projects, you can just have somebody who has an hour free go through and say that, you know, we're not going to support this project. So we've kind of talked a little bit about the infrastructure and the research that you guys have done on grant shares and how grant shares is going to be a funding mechanism for grassroots developers. Could you just tell us a little bit? about the process of what this looks like? Uh, what does the walkthrough look like? So let's say I want to have Bitcoin added to the treasury and I want to propose this. What's this going to look like for me uh, making this proposal? Well, it's it's not there yet, but there's going to be a DAP page, of course. So the Grand Shares DAP um, will be your central point of interaction for this. It starts with creating proposals. So like we said before, the entry barrier should be low. So um, one of the major pages of the DAP is creating a proposal. And we wanted to make it even uh, free at the, at the beginning where you can create a proposal without having, having to pay gas. 
So you will uh, first, when you create a proposal, you will only generate a discussion somewhere, like somewhere being GitHub in the, in the case of GrantShares. We will uh, create a, a discussion issue for you and that's where the discussion happens. So your, your proposal um, first doesn't sit on chain, it sits on GitHub and that's where you have to start and get, your, get the GrantShares members intrigued and also other community members, like anybody can, can take part in the discussion, of course. But we wanted to have a discussion platform that's a bit more structured than just having a Discord server for this stuff. And from there, like you said, you have the endorsement mechanism. So if you just create bullshit proposals that nobody wants, um, it will just expire after some time um, without anybody endorsing it. And then your proposal is, is useless. And um, after you found like people or grantless members are interested in your proposal, you can create it on chain if you want it. Like anybody could create it on chain, but why? You know, the one who created the discussion in the in the, in the first place probably is interested in creating it on chain, and this then kicks off the process on chain. Um, still all happening through the DAP, of course. You don't have to go and, and and create commands through the command line or anything. And then the proposal is endorsed by a grant shares member. This kicks off the voting phase. If you get enough votes um, from the members then your proposal passes. You just have to wait uh, a little while after it passes, after the voting phase, before you can execute it. And uh, so th at the moment, like we intend to set this time for uh, seven days of voting phase and then three days uh, of, of a time lock phase until you can actually execute a proposal. And I don't mean to interrupt, but why did you guys add a time lock after the proposal has been approved? That's, that's something that's interesting. Yeah, this is just because we we chickened out of not doing it. <laughs> this is a, it's a, it's basically a security mechanism to to have uh, a period where once once things get serious because a proposal has been has been uh, accepted and once you execute the proposal, the things that happen through the proposal, like the actions that are, that are taken through the proposal, they are there encoded in the proposal. It's not just okay, yeah, we voted yes. Now let's do something manually. It's okay, everybody voted yes, and now this is executed automatically. And so that's why we have this time lock phase where the community or the community that the grand shares members still have time to wake up and see, holy shit, this is going to break everything. And then they have time to pause the contract, basically. And, and then um, the proposal cannot be executed. It's a worst case scenario. No, exactly. It's also in other DAOs, uh, you also have this time lock phase um, because for example, on other DAOs where uh, it's about uh, DeFi or yeah, whatever, you can sell your tokens. You can, if you're, you, if you are part of the decision power of this DAO and you're not satisfied by the decision that was made, I mean, maybe maybe you abstain in the vote or maybe you vote no against it. So you have like a bit of time to leave the DAO. So it's not only a security mechanism, as, as Fold was mentioning, I think, uh, I mean, this is something that you can, you, you give an equal opportunity for all of them to get used to the decision that it was taking. Yeah, that's really interesting. And it's not something that you think about when people think like, oh, a smart contract and, and the decision is made instantly. But when things come to funding, it's nice to have kind of that fail safe uh, in case like somebody does act in a malicious manner to you know, get more funding than than they had initially proposed. I'm not sure what that would look like on the back end. So I can't really kind of pull that thread a little bit more. But something that you did mention earlier was aggregating conversations in a way that's easier to follow along. And this is only the second conversation I've had on DAOs, but this is a theme that that is has carried over from the second con from the previous conversation I had. So this is great that you have this uh, entity where people can communicate on GitHub, but there's also got to be an easier way for people to speak in an informal manner. So I kind of have two questions. A, is the conversations that are held on GitHub, is that metadata going to be stored in the hash associated with the proposal so that people can uh, scour, scour an explorer and find this proposal and then go back to the conversations? And then B, are there any plans to create an informal chat server for people to talk about proposals? So the first question, if, if the, the discussion is available through the, the on-chain proposal, is the answer is yes. So, I mean, obviously the, the two things are, are linked. The on-chain proposal is linked to the off-chain discussion, but 
Of course, we know that GitHub, the discussion that happens on GitHub is that's like a decentralized, eh, not decent, that's a centralized service. So if GitHub goes and deletes all the discussion, then uh, we don't have that data anymore. So if we wanted to have um, more control or like decentralized control over that, uh, over the discussion data, uh, then we would have to copy it, you know, to NeoFS would be the first thing to do, of course. Uh, but yeah, these, these things are linked. Um, the discussion is linked to the proposal in the, in the on-chain proposal. And um, for the, the second question, at the moment, we were not planning to have an unstructured discussion somewhere because like that, that goes into the direction of what I was saying um, before, where, where the concern in, in such DAOs is that, that you don't have enough, um, I, I don't find a word, you know, that, that people don't take part. And if you have multiple channels where, where things are going on, then, then I think much information, when people al- already have problems with their attention anyway, <laughs> I mean myself as well, my attention goes in so many places and I'm always um, trying to manage my attention better. And so we should, I think we should try to channel, to only have one channel uh, actually for, for this discussion where people can focus on and don't need to worry about in, like lost information somewhere else. Yeah, voting is one of those things that it's almost impossible to get people to do, but then the decision, it makes everybody upset afterwards. I try not to get too political, but like this became very apparent to me after Trump got elected in America. Less than 50% of the population voted, but during that time frame, it felt like almost everyone had an opinion. So you have this issue where voting is really important, but people don't participate in it. And then afterwards, they have a lot of opinions about it, but they had a chance to kind of participate in the early matters. So that's kind of a wicked problem. I remember talking about that at the Neo Community Assembly in 2019. This does not seem to have been something that changes over time. It seems like it's human nature. Like this is part of of the developments in the DAO world as having a a good medium for for the discussion is is like one of the most important things I think, and uh, there are projects that are trying to create tooling for that. Uh, I, I forgot the names right now, but um, where you basically you try to extract the the intentions of the community, like of uh, lots of comments, and you try to extract some some fundamental, uh, you know, couple of sentences or something that, that the sentiment of the community out of a huge discussion and uh, and trying to thereby uh, come up with with um, you know maybe a yes or a no um, sentiment or even you know multiple cases yeah yeah i think i think like the the project that you're trying to to remember the name Claude, is uh, the name is voxibrate voxibrate.com so like uh, me and Claude, we we even met uh, some time ago um, with lily one of like the founder of this project um, and uh, basically they they have like a, a lot of uh, experience on um, deliberation in in the European uh, Union and this kind of thing. And uh, they would like to establish a tool where you could better communicate and make decisions uh, on, um, I'm going to say, in a chat or in written format. One of the reasons for this is that all the tools that you have now, um, GitHub or Discord or uh, Slack or name it, Telegram, they're not meant to be for decision-making uh, and for the communities uh, in a structured way, et cetera. So, yeah, we, we're, we were talking with Voxabrate, to be really honest, uh, to see if they could maybe fit as a DAP or uh, go to the new ecosystem to also help us. Uh, but, I mean, these this talks are ongoing. Let's see how it goes. But, I mean, yeah, so just, just as, as a summary, like you, you have the off-chain and on-chain discussions and things. But uh, the off-chain, talking specifically about grant shares, we decided on going GitHub because GitHub is is where developers are or where the builders are. And it's, I mean, it's well-known. And I think think this is a start. We're not saying that we always will uh, remain there, but uh, this is a good start. And uh, we we try to, to, we, we even developed a bot, a GitHub bot, to help in these discussions uh, of grant shares where the bot will post, oh, this is the proposal. These are the intents of the proposal. Like this is our, this is the, like the, the, like the encoded transaction that will be made uh, when, if the proposal will, 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 you know, will be executed, let's say. 
And, uh, you know, the bot also will, will let people know, oh, someone endorsed this proposal. Or, yeah, guys, look, this, this proposal is in installed. Like, uh, nobody's discussing for five days, but it's already endorsed. Can you please discuss? This is this kind of like, things which helps in the, um, in, in the whole off-chain process. Awesome. I'm cognizant of everyone's time, so I only have a couple more questions. Uh, something I did want to pull on, though. So grant shares is for anyone to apply for. The funding limit currently is $50,000 in applications. So if you're a developer or a marketer or you're starting a business that's going to integrate NEO and you're still at kind of like that smaller scale grassroots level, this is the perfect avenue to go through. If you have a larger scope, then obviously you want to speak with NEO Foundation. So that's who grant shares is for. But another thing I wanted to pull on from your guys' ears is the composability of the architecture that you created. So what were some of the considerations that you guys had? Uh, thinking about people who might integrate the architecture and the code that of the grant shares DAO into their dApps or into their DAOs moving forward. So what what do you guys envision others using your open source code for other projects moving forward? Yeah, it's a good point. I mean, we we started implementing this not only with grant shares in mind. I think the contracts are are a bit more generic. If, for example, like a proposal can be can be anything. A proposal can not only be uh, whatever actions the grant shares contracts um, support, but it can you can you can call anything that lives on the blockchain with a proposal, and uh, you can do multiple calls. You could you could do uh, swaps um, uh, into different chains and things like that. And um, so, so that's where, where we hope that uh, the grant shares smart contracts and, and that the infrastructure we built can be reused by other people. And of course, if we had more time, I would like to like, even unpack the, the contracts more and, and like, get out features into separate contracts and kind of have even a more modular um, architecture that, that, people could be, that, that people could use already like maybe deploy some features on chain and and they can be used by different projects um using the same kind of library code on chain um helping them to to vote um deploying different voting strategies for example um that people don't have to put that stuff in their own contracts much more could be done in that direction and grant shares is just the as it is now just the first step yeah, we have we have to we have to hold ourselves a bit uh, on because we have so many ideas and so many things that we could we could do and make uh, things generic and for for other use cases. But then we say, okay, let's let's stop it here. Let's let's solve one problem at a time. And um, but I think it's already it's already modular, but not super modular. Let's put it this way. I think one of the one of the things that people might look at is uh, our two contracts. We have a governance contract and we have a, a treasury contract. And those are being audited as we speak. Um, and and this, is, this, is, this is a really good sign because when you have a code like, which is audited um, and uh, people have many eyes on it um, in deploying production, uh, people could, could take this and fork it in could do their uh, modify, of course, modify a bit, and endure, do their, their own DAOs in the in the new ecosystem, for example, or or take this model and, and go to other ecosystems, no problem. It's already generic, of course. We can do way more, but um, for for now, we envisage that people will fork it and 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 adapt, and then the the you know the whole ecosystem will will progress over time. Awesome. I want to wrap up this conversation by asking uh, a question that I plan on asking every guest who joins the podcast. What does the smart economy mean to you? To me, it means more efficient allocation of funds. And can I make something else up? No, I'll leave it with that. <laughs> you see, uh, you like I, I always yeah. talk about efficiency, and yeah. efficiency also applies to like politics. So when it's about voting. That can also be more efficient, meaning also including uh, or not excluding certain groups. Um, yeah, these kind of things. I think we ha- we share the same uh, quote. Like efficiency is a is a is a point there, but smart economy to me is something that we should have in our society already. But sometimes, in, I mean, in most of our, the countries and, and the democracies that we live, we 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 don't have. But 
is to have a, an economy for the common good. That the common good for like for everyone, it's it's something that people progress uh, as as a whole. I, I know that this is very idealistic to to say it like this, and 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 oh maybe this doesn't happen like always, and uh, you know we live in a capitalism, and I understand that. But um, ultimately, we have to to care about others in in our community, so we have to progress uh, together. I don't think that there's a wrong answer because the smart economy could be digitizing assets to creating more efficient ways for voting to happen. So that's kind of why I want to end each interview on such a broad uh, question because it kind of helps highlight the way that different people think about issues. So I want to thank you guys uh, a ton for, for joining the first series of the newly revamped Smart Economy podcast to talk about DAOs and to share your experience with grant shares and to help others learn a little bit more about how they can expect to interact with grant shares and to, and for developers to learn how they can integrate the code into their future dapps. So thanks a lot for all the hard work that you guys have done. Sometimes I, I know it can feel thankless, uh, especially with like Anon's demanding things online. But it, it, it's really cool to see this infrastructure land on NEO. And uh, I'm really excited to have been able to talk to you guys to, to share a little bit more about that. Thanks, Dylan. Thanks a lot for this conversation. And uh, I, I would just ask the audience to go to uh, grandshares.io and please sign up there and uh, that you, you can stay tuned for what will come next. Thank you, guys. Thank you. It was a pleasure. Awesome. Well, looking forward to chatting with you guys soon. And until then, have a good one. Well, what did you think of that conversation? I thought it was really interesting to hear about the lifecycle process of proposing a project to the Grant Shares DAO from inception to the distribution of funding. I'm really looking forward to following along the upcoming GitHub conversations for future proposals. And future grant seekers should keep an eye out for the upcoming launch of the Grant Shares DAP. With that, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to listen to the Smart Economy podcast. If you liked what you heard and want to support the show, please keep NEO News Today in mind when voting for your NEO Council representative as part of NEO's governance process. We appreciate you and we look forward to catching you next time.